You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is Randy. In the future, schools will adapt the Marvel method of arithmetic. Any number higher than one can also be a number one. And there are no numbers higher than 37. If you reach 37, then you simply restart at number one and add a point now. This is Melanie. And in the future, everyone will carry special metal umbrellas to protect ourselves from the horrible urine of the flying cats. And this is Jesse. And in the future, bats will not sneak up on you in the middle of the night. Instead, they will politely say hello and then be on their merry way. All right, this is the Grolix podcast. Do you want to do you want to tell us about this bat story? What happened to you? Uh, well, I be- I better tell the story, otherwise my future prediction doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, okay. So in the middle of the night, I- I'm having a- I have a hard time sleeping in the summer for whatever reason. Like I get all geared up all year long, and so I'm exhausted when it's time to go to sleep. Well, in the summer, since I'm a teacher, uh, I don't have that, and so I wind up like being all jazzed and I can't sleep. So I get up in the middle of the night and I use the restroom like so many people do. And uh, I'm finishing up and I hear a little noise behind the door and I think nothing of it because we have this mirror, this like flimsy Walmart mirror that we took down when we painted the bathroom. And so sometimes it slips and it'll make a noise. So I don't think anything of it until uh, I see this little head poke from behind the door, it crawled across the bath towel rail. And so he's like on the bath towel and he just pops his head out for a second, just long enough for me to be like, wait, is that a, and then it flies at me. (laughs) So I've, you know, like we've dealt with bats in the past, but there's just something special about a bat being in your bathroom and flying right into your face. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's all me trying not to get swooped on getting through the house, making sure the dogs aren't going to try to chase it. And then, then it likes, we've got this ceiling fan, which for whatever reason really bothers bats, then it will like go immediately to that ceiling fan. So I have this whole routine of make sure he finds the ceiling fan, uh, open the door, shut off the ceiling fan and wait for him to fly out the front door. <laughs> so we've got it down to a science now, but, but yeah, the, it's it's just that uh, moment of discovery that is just so horrifyingly delightful. That's that, <laughs> that's the type of thing you're glad nobody's around to see happen. Yeah. Right, right. Because I'm like in my boxers at like nearly one in the morning, <laughs> like standing out on my front porch, hoping this bat will just please fly out the door. <laughs> British fest. Yes. What's the um? Oh man. Yeah. What's the date on that? I believe it's the last weekend in June. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it on my Google Calendar. British Fest. Um, if you're in the, the uh, Omaha, Nebraska area, you can check it out. Go to BritishFest.weebly.com. It is the June 27th through the 29th. So yeah, the last weekend of June. Yes. 
And I hope to be there. I hope to be there at least Sunday. I'd like to make it more days, but I'm not sure. I think I'm not sure I'll be able to swing those days off of work. Right. But at least Sunday, I'd like to be there. And uh, I'll be there with Axton Kaler at the Tank Zombie Studios booth. So if you're in the area, swing by, grab uh, a card, tell tell us what you want us to talk about, uh, chat us up. That reminds me, um, since our last episode, Free Comic Book Day happened, and you also had another table with uh, with Axton. Is it Axton? Yes. Yep. Axton, yes. Axton. How did that go? It went, it went well. It was kind of like this marathon of, um, I mean, I, I guess I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, you popped in and saw how many people were there. Yeah, I was uh, really surprised. Lines and lines and lines. And I thought, oh, surely they're all just here to meet the Firefly guy. <laughs> but uh, no, a lot of people came back, and all the artists were doing these free sketches. And I'm sitting next to this guy that's, like, super pro, like, he teaches uh, comic book art classes through Metro, and he's given away these immaculately beautiful uh, drawings for free. And here I am cranking out Adventure Time in My Little Ponies. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd be surprised how long my line was. There's a demand for My Little Ponies. I'll tell you that. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, really busy. And uh, so busy, in fact, that like we ordered lunch and... Uh, well, Axton's uh, wife popped in and gave us lunch, and we really didn't even have time to eat it. <laughs> like we were literally drawing from the moment it started till the moment we left. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can do it. I'd be like, hand cramp, hand cramp. Uh. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, like the only times I got up were to like use the restroom, kind of thing, get a, a quick swig of water. Mm-hmm. It, it was okay, except that I realized pretty quickly on that um, next time I'll need some kind of um, like elevated angled surface so that I can draw without hunching over. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, my back was killing me the next day because I I'd never done that before. So it was all new. Not too much new our way, except we did just get back from Godzilla, Godzilla. just moments ago. Godzilla. And so we'll be talking about that. Jesse already seen Jesse seen Godzilla. Yes. And we could probably do a spoiler-free Godzilla review or discussion, you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there might be minor spoilers, because there's one thing that I'd like to mention that I didn't know going into it. Mm-hmm. But, so yeah, we're going to talk about that. Today we're going to talk about X-Men, which Melanie didn't see, so that'll be another spoiler-free discussion. Mm-hmm. That's going to be tricky. That will be tricky. <laughs> well, you're going to do it anyway, okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's cool. I just, like, oh, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll do it, though. We'll do it. And then we're also going to talk about our poll list uh, selection from last month, which was Punisher. Uh, Punisher Max, the first, first story arc by Garth Ennis. And then I think also we have a couple webcomics recommendations, and that'll be... Most of the show from oh and Doctor Who, we got a big show. Yeah, I think we'll start start with with Godzilla. You've seen this this weekend, which was was this opening weekend for Godzilla or was that last weekend? This uh, I think it was last weekend. Okay, whenever we saw it, yeah. This last week of school, everything's a blur, so wibbly wobbly and all. <laughs> 
but yeah, yeah, it wasn't this weekend. It was it was at least last weekend. And uh, before before we went and saw it, I uh, you know like take an inch and or get an inch and take a mile. Um, my wife really wanted to see it on, on IMAX 3D, and I thought um, yes. And so I thought you know she's already conceded that point. Let's let's go even further. And I <laughs> and I got her to watch um, the American original. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh-huh. Um, couldn't couldn't get Gojira, the original Japanese version, but uh, King of the Monsters is on Netflix, so I convinced her to watch that. And so that kind of, it simultaneously heightened and uh, detracted a little bit from watching this modern version. Oh, really? Well, I mean, it, it helped in some respects because, um, well, we're, we're doing spoiler-free, um, there, there's some callbacks to it, okay. to the original. I mean, like they kind of they kind of hint that uh, back in the the back in the time when Godzilla was made, that Godzilla was, was romping around. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they kind of imply that. Yeah, I could not get Melanie to watch any of the older Godzilla films. Yeah, sorry. But I did get her to go with us. Go go with me to the theater to see it. Um, baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I watched the the top ten about Godzilla though. Top ten facts about yeah. Godzilla on oh. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, cool. I believe Godzilla did pretty well. I was just trying. Oh to, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was the top uh, film of the year at at that point. Mm-hmm. Opening weekend, it was the top uh, film of 2014 so far. What did you guys think? I'm gonna let one of you guys start. Okay, well, my... Okay, you coming at it from a not-really-a-Godzilla fan. Okay, which is coming at it from not-a-really-Godzilla fan. I was slightly disappointed that the movie, Godzilla, had a lot less Godzilla than I was expecting and kind of wanting. But other than that, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. He should have... That's a pretty common... That's been a pretty common complaint, and I don't think anyone can probably argue it. Yeah. 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 I. I actually. I would totally agree with that. I. I liked it overall, but I was disappointed that, like, just like you said, there wasn't as much Godzilla as I would have hoped for. Mm-hmm. And they hit. There's a few excellent God. Like Godzilla hits some poses. There's some cool little sequences where they, you know, showcase like, oh, this is Godzilla, and you know, yeah. there were some cool moments like that. But then there's instances where you finally get this, like, big clash that you're waiting for, mm-hmm. and it cuts away to do this whole other scene. And I'm like, no, this is, like, this scene, the scene that it cuts away to is cool, Yeah. but it's not what I wanted. Like, I yeah. want to see Godzilla wrecking some stuff up. I want to see some stuff happening, and instead they cut away for this other scene. Yeah. They had the Transformers problem where they made the humans more important than they needed to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And... I personally found that I didn't care about the humans. The ones that interested me weren't in the film as much as I had expected as well. Much like Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Like Wantanabe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He had very, and again, this is slightly spoilery, but outside of like kind of exposition and setting up the history of this situation, he had nothing. They had nothing for him to do in almost the whole movie. Yeah, and he's like the Oscar nominee. So, 
like his his great strength would be delivering lines, and sometimes the lines they gave him were kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Like there's that moment where I, it actually took me out because I kind of laughed at him. Like he's going on this whole exposition about how um, there are these, you know, like nature self corrects and all, uh-huh. and yeah. then uh, and then he's like. Let them fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He went from super science-y nature guru <laughs> to Shang Tsung in, in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, let them fight. That's a bit, and it was, <laughs> and they used that in the trailer. That's totally a trailer moment. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they're like, all right, that's, that'll be perfect to sell this movie to an audience. Randy, have you, have you seen the original? I have... And I had not realized, I don't think I've seen the original uh, Japanese version. I think the only one I've seen is, um, and maybe it was King of the Monsters. What's the American version where they basically intercut um, a bunch of American story into the original? That's that's King of the Monsters. Basically, they take uh, Raymond Burr, yeah. who's also... Perry Mason, and they uh, splice him in as the American journalist that's over there, and so ba- that's basically the original Godzilla, but then they splice him in so that it'd be more appealing to an American audience. I'm a, I'm a little, I feel a little shameful that I did not realize that was the case, and so the only I've only seen the Americanized original version. I have not seen the actual original. Movie. Well, and it wasn't particularly available over here until just recently. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, re- I think maybe it was when uh, Godzilla 2000 came out that they, or shortly thereafter that they re-released the Japanese original here in the United States. Mm-hmm. So for an awfully long time, you would have had to search pretty hard to get that Japanese original here. I was going to say that reminds me of another one of my things. Just because I'm me and I want to know everything that's going on. I'm nosy, I guess. I was kind of upset that a lot of times they didn't have subtitles and I was like, what are they talking about? I want to know what, I want to know what he's talking about. I enjoyed that they tried to, they tried to, like, there were still the Japanese characters. It's a little, again, though, they didn't give them a whole lot of screen time, but I enjoyed that they tried to pull a balance. You know, it's not just Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. But, Partway through the movie, that fell away pretty quick. Anyway, yeah. Well, uh, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of things that you could say about this movie if you get full spoilers. But uh, you know, like I don't want to ruin it for anybody entirely. Yeah, I know. One of the main things I want to talk about, I can't talk about. Yeah. 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 Okay, I'm really curious. Maybe we should just give a warning that it's going to be full spoiler. Well, are you you're willing to do that or no? I don't know. No? It's well, I wouldn't care, but it's really new still. Okay. Yeah. So if we're gonna have people want to listen, we don't want to ruin it for everybody. That's a good point. I was hoping for more Cranston. Yeah. Yeah. He He's was, pretty good though. I mean, I I was impressed with what he did, but yeah. Yeah. Since Malcolm in the Middle, I've always been a fan of the guy, and then of course, it seems like um, everybody has been a fan of him since Breaking Bad. Yeah. So I was. I, you said what? What? I was like referring, to, talking about it in the car home. I'm like Malcolm's dad, and then I switched to Walter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he was a big draw for me, and I, 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 yeah, I thought he was good in it. Um, I just really wish would have wished for more of him. But but that's it. Was, well, that was kind of the thing. Is I wish for all of the things that I, the people and the things I wanted to see see. That drew me to the movie, there were very little of. Yeah. 
But I mean, it was still, it wasn't like a bad movie. Yeah, it sounds like we're being kind of hard on it. But those are the criticisms. Otherwise, like, yeah, there it was. There was entertaining stuff. The effects were good. It was, mm-hmm. it was all very dark. Yeah, I kind of yeah. would have liked it to be a little brighter at parts. Mm-hmm. But I liked, I liked the destruction. It was pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Like the giant things flying around and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It was all very cool. Well done. Yeah, I like how they just didn't seem to care about the humans. No, it yeah. really did feel like two totally different stories were happening. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I just would have liked to follow the other story more than the story we followed most of the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And you couldn't have—I'm not saying you couldn't have 90 minutes or two hours of of just monsters fighting. What about Pacific Rim? No, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's kind of it. <laughs> In that case, you probably could, but so I understand why they—you got to have people in there. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. where's your end to the story? But. Mm-hmm. I didn't find the people they chose to follow particularly interesting, but and it kind of suffered from that whole origin movie thing where you've got to set the stage and that's going to take some time. I think they took a little more time than they needed to, but and I'm surprised that the the origin was less about what you would have expected. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because they established this, and then they're like. Oh, yeah, and then Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> and Godzilla, and he's there. He's there. Oh. <laughs> he's been around. We know about him, yeah. sort of. I do, I do like that they acknowledge that, you know, yeah, they did kind of acknowledge around the same period as, as the first the first movie happened is, like, you know, that's when we discovered. Mm-hmm. I'm probably saying too much. It's so hard to not spoil, talk spoilers. That's okay. You're hard to understand. Really? Well, it's because I'm trying to talk in circles. I'm trying to well, talk you around are, it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I did enjoy it. Yeah. I, I would watch it again. Um, it's not quite, quite as awesome as I would have liked, but mm-hmm. it wasn't bad. It's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But Godzilla did some cool things. Godzilla did some excellent things. Yeah, mm-hmm. like his his atomic breath. I don't I don't think that's too spoilery to say that that. No, I don't plays think so. a part, and it's and it's epic. <laughs> I, I was worried that they weren't. I was hoping they were going to do it. I was concerned yeah. that maybe they wouldn't. And they, yeah, when he does it, when he first does it, they they make it. Yeah, it's epic. They make a scene that, of it. That was a good payoff. That was worth the wait. Yeah, there were like I said, there like they had him. They had the iconic Godzilla moments, like when he first, when you first see him, it's awesome. Like when they yeah. first actually show. His, his whole face and everything is pretty awesome. Okay, I'm not, I'm not a Godzilla fan, uh-huh. so I must say he was he's a lot chunkier than I thought he was was supposed to be. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, they I've even seen memes where they're they're joking that they made him uh, since it's a Hollywood movie they made him more like ripped and muscular looking than he used to look. <laughs> oh yeah, more more spelt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh. Well, he's a big, like, hunchy-backed lizard guy. Yeah. And there were a couple times where it's like, yeah, he does, like, even in this, where it's just the design of Godzilla, I'm like, he does look a little goofy, but that kind of makes him likable. Yeah. Well, and uh, one of my friends pointed out to me that the word Godzilla is actually, um, it's it's a splicing of the American word gorilla and the Japanese word for whale. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that, like, in that, 
case, there were moments in the film where I was like, oh, I can totally see the gorilla part. And obviously the way he swims uh-huh. is that male part. And so, like, in a sense, I kind of liked the design of him. I mean, at least it wasn't uh, 1998. Yeah, that wasn't, that's not Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like the Godzilla design. And you, on, in a way, it's like the movie could have been worse so long as they just, so long as Godzilla at least looked like Godzilla. You know, they would have at least done something right. And the movie's not that bad, so Uh they nailed nailed several things correctly. Yeah. Coming out of the theater, I I really, really liked it. And now you're like, you're giving it some time, you know, like the criticisms um, come through a little bit more as time passes. But, you know, what I'd say about it is that the things that were awesome about Godzilla were like really awesome. And then there were those other parts where it's like, what? <laughs> like, there's just maybe three things in the movie that just kind of make me scratch my head a little bit. But they're not so distracting that I'm going to dislike the movie uh-huh. based on them. You know, like, I'll just be like, huh, and then I'll move on. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Like I said, it sounds like we're being kind of harsh on it. It was, it was still good. Yeah. And, yeah, I wasn't totally unhappy with it. They hit the things they needed to hit. It's still a, summer, a big American summer blockbuster, so you got to expect certain things. And they played to that, but it's not like Transformers-level ridiculous story, and then there's Transformers, you know. I mean, there's there's stuff happening, it's, it's relevant, and then there's Godzilla and monsters. They did a good job of making the character you mostly follow in the action most of the time. And he's not Sam Witwicky. Oh, man. There's not a lot to him, but he's not unlikable. He's just a little flat, I thought. Hmm. I can't, I don't, I'm not sure the actor's name offhand. I don't know, but he looks like other people. And I'm like, is this that? I don't, I, and I don't even know the actor that I think he looks like, but I'm like, is this that guy from that other movie, except he's a little buffer now? He's not from uh, Kick-Ass, is he? I don't know if we have to Grolix that or not. <laughs> I've actually thought about that before. Um, it's a title. I don't think we should, but if you want to, we can. Uh, but it's up to you. Actually, now that you say it, it does yeah, kind of seem like that kid. That's who I was thinking it was, yeah. Yep, that's him. Oh, wow. And that's, he's just Buffer. And he'll also be Quicksilver in the upcoming uh, Avengers 2. Mm-hmm. That's going to be... That'll be interesting. <laughs> But That'd yeah, that makes sense because in uh, Kick-Ass 2, he was already buffing up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he looks much more so now. Even his face he just seems more whiter. He just didn't come across... But then again, you know, in, in Kick-Ass, that's his character. He just didn't come across like a doof. A doof? <laughs> a doof. A doofus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A doof and a well, goof. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to see him as both those characters. Now, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. now, I didn't catch it at first either, and I think it was Holly that pointed it out. In that case, I'm a little more impressed with his performance, even though, it, like I said, it seemed flat, but I'm actually a little more impressed because he didn't at all come across like come across like he did in the other stuff I've seen him in. Oh, he's also in the Captain America the Winter Soldier, uncredited, though, so probably a smaller part, but interesting. Oh, yeah, because he's, uh, he's Quicksilver. Hmm. Okay, so he's just like on the he's like on a video monitor or something. Okay, so they just kind of did a little setup in that for Quicksilver, huh? Yeah, I'm not really sure how to approach this from a review standpoint, but I've already said it. Overall, I I enjoyed it. Was a little little disappointed in 
where the characters that we they chose to follow and how certain scenes were handled. But there were definitely cool sequences. There's there's the sequence um, with the halo jump mm-hmm. that they had in the trailer. I think the, even the first trailer, maybe. Yeah. The sound, like the music in that part was very cool. And it's just what they had in the trailer. That's a very, very cool sequence. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I enjoyed the movie very much. And uh, I'm not upset that that is the movie that I got to see rather than... Uh, the X-Men movie that I would have preferred to have seen. Yeah, you would have preferred <laughs> to see it, I think. <laughs> um, I, You know, I think, like, I, I have my criticisms of it and, and whatnot, but I think it was really good. I'd highly recommend it to most folks. Um, I think probably the best um, example of how universal this movie kind of is is that my friend uh, went with his wife and his third-grade daughter and they all came away from the movie with something that they enjoyed. So mm-hmm. I think it's overall, it's a pretty enjoyable film that you can even take your family to. I mean, there's some devastation. The monsters could be scary. So use your best judgment. But, I, you know, it's not it's not so horrific that you couldn't bring your kids. Yeah, that's a good point. That's I mean, it's PG, what, PG-13? I think so. I would assume so for at least the, like, scenes of terror and stuff like that. But, yeah, there's, it's not, it's not gory at all. There's nothing like that. The, I don't even re- remember any, like, foul language. Um, it does seem fairly family-friendly. Mm-hmm. Except, and except for, like, maybe a couple shots, most of the, any, any kind of, like, death is just implied. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, quick or off-screen type stuff. Yeah. It's true. Except for, you know, there's a couple of exceptions, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. For the most part, you you don't really see anything. You just know in your head that, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> those poor people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Interesting side note. The director of this, I believe the um, only other movie he's directed up till this point, was Monsters, which I believe we watched. It's a foreign movie. It's like a handheld style Oh, I, I like that one. Like Cloverfield? Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Um, in which it's these two people trying to get out of this um, country in which there's an invasion of, like, these giant monsters, so it makes sense that they gave him Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And I believe he's working on either an American remake or a sequel now. Oh, he's just executive producer on that. but I think it's a sequel. Yeah, yeah, Monsters Dark Continent is supposed to come out. I'm not sure when it's, it's, um, Wikipedia's got it listed as 2014, but, and also, um, this is kind of ties into recent news and I'm guessing based on the fact that Godzilla did so well, um, they're doing a standalone Star Wars movie and he gets to direct that in 2016. Uh-huh. A standalone, eh? Yeah. Separate of like the next the trilogy. Yeah. Huh. So that could be interesting. So, do you think do you think we'll see any Godzilla sequels? I mean, even though it's technically think, a sequel to many, but I think they basically said that um it was it was tentative in the first place, but they were already kind of planning it and the success basically yeah. ensured that it was gonna happen. If anything does well, you know there's gotta be a sequel nowadays. That's yeah. that's true. Well, good. I, I would like to watch I'd like to see more, so long as they keep them so long as the quality's still decent. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Godzilla fans are so concerned about quality. Well, okay, but, if you're, <laughs> but the problem is with a big, we've seen what happens when a big budget Godzilla movie goes wrong. Yeah. Like yeah. I've seen a million. Well, I've seen many, many Japanese low budget Godzilla movies that went wrong, but they're still fun. Yeah. But when a big budget American blockbuster movie goes wrong, it's not fun. It's ridiculous. Right. Well, it's like a it's like a crappier version of Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's like Jurassic Park two and three. Those were fun. <laughs> we, from what I understand, we have a chance of seeing another crappier version of Jurassic Park before too long yeah. either. It might not be crappy. Yeah. It might not. All right, so Godzilla. Yes. Good job, Godzilla. Good job, good job, Godzilla. Good job, Godzilla. King, truly king of the monsters. Yeah. Yes. Even Perry Mason says so. Yep. <laughs> a rough segue. You mentioned Quicksilver. <laughs> like Fifteen are minutes ago. A, are you trying to pull a fast one here, Randy? Oh. <laughs> oh. I was hoping that would just flash by you. Oh. <laughs> uh, that was forced too. <laughs> okay. So. Me and Jesse have seen X-Men Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen it yet. No. I'm really surprised at how hard it was to talk about Godzilla without spoilers. This is going to be really tricky, I think. We'll just have to keep it kind of concise, I think. Yeah. Well, I could leave the room if I need to. No, it's okay, because that's an even newer movie than Godzilla, so we should probably keep it spoiler-free. Okay. Yeah. Because I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and... I prefer when they do spoiler-free reviews of newer movies because most of the time I haven't got to see it. And if they do a spoiler review, then I'm not going to listen to the podcast and I want people to listen to the podcast. So. Right. That was, well, that was, my, yeah. that was my point. Okay. So uh, Days of Future Past, for anyone that hasn't read the original um, work, is a X, it's an X-Men story that happened quite a ways back and it deals with alternate future timelines um, and so this movie kind of loosely is based on that, but they go their own direction with it for sure. They hold true to some of the kind of key elements that made it days of future past. Uh, one of them being that future where the Sentinels are, you know, like really key in, in even more mutant, uh, oh, I don't know, decimation and, um, oppression, mm-hmm. which has been a theme through, you know, I don't think that's spoilery to say because that's been the theme of X-Men since issue one. Oh, yeah. Is that, you know, they're feared and, and misunderstood. And so this just takes it that much further, uh, but we throw in that time travel element where now the the mutants, you know, things have gotten as bad as they're possibly going to get, and they are going to try to go back in time and course correct. And as we know, in any good time travel uh, story, what could possibly go wrong with that idea? <laughs> so this kind of serves to be both, both kind of an homage to that that original work, and kind of serves as a sequel for X Men First Class. So you really, I don't know that you necessarily have to have seen every X Men movie ever made, but if you haven't seen X Men First Class, you might find yourself kind of lost. 
Yeah, one of my co-workers was saying he was going to go see it, I believe, last night. And I was asking him, I was like, well, have you seen the other ones? And he said, no, he hadn't seen any of the other ones, which... Like, seven movies in, how do you not at least catch one of them? Mm. Right. But anyway, he's like, well, I heard that you don't necessarily have to see the other ones to see this one. And I think that's kind of true. I mean, I think the mm-hmm. story still works. Mm-hmm. But I told him, I was like, well, if you have time, at least see First Class. Because if of any of them, um, that one sets this up most. Mm-hmm. It's most yeah. relevant to First Class. As a, I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. Mm-hmm. But one, one of the things that I heard about it, and I'm going to ask you if this is true, is that they made this movie in a, a lot of ways to fix some of the other movies that weren't so great. That's, okay, without going into spoilers, that's one thing I would like to talk about a little bit about is the fixes and possible plot holes that it doesn't fix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then are we, we're spoiling, we're going to spoil old movies is what you're saying. <laughs> um, possibly. Okay, well, on that front, all I'll say is it pretty much fixes everything in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah. it's not a secret that X-Men, X, X3, or whatever, The Last Stand, mm-hmm. which is cons- you widely considered the worst one, yeah. and I would agree. Yeah. And they, even when I first watched it, they did things, they, they did things that I'd didn't understand like why they would do like kill everybody off like kill everyone off yeah <laughs> and t- yeah. they they killed half the cool characters and then the other character a lot of the other characters they took away their powers so I'm like you're killing your franchise right here what are you doing yeah perhaps yeah. they guessing they didn't I don't I don't see how they didn't expect to come continue with it mm-hmm. but um it does it does it mends a lot mm-hmm and it does pretty pretty well at doing so without opening too many other plot holes. Um, there is contradictions with Wolverine Origins. Was that wait? Which one was that? Was that the one with the Deadpool? Yeah. Okay. There's contradictions with Wolverine Origins, but in a way, it seems like for the most part, they ignored that movie pretty heavily. Yeah, anyway. that okay. movie was a pretty big contradiction in and of itself. Yeah, yeah so. I agree. It's almost like they decided, they're like, listen, we can fix some things, but some things are too far gone, let's just pretend like that didn't happen. Right. Yeah. A lot like Godzilla, I was super excited for this movie, and I was trying to keep my expectations in check going into it. Mm -hmm. I have to do that for any movie, because, you know, you don't want to walk into it expecting greatness because you're just bound to be let down anyway. And like, we were saying, Godzilla was good, there was a little bit of disappointment portions, um, for the most part, I wasn't disappointed with this at all. It was, I think, X, I think X-Men was fantastic. Yeah. Right. It, you know, it was pretty hard to, uh, it's pretty hard to follow up what's considered an absolute classic in, in the run of a comic that's been going decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Um, so by, by throwing the name Days of Future Past in there right off the bat, you're gonna have you're gonna you're gonna leave some room for some some criticism, I think, right off the bat, mm-hmm. uh, or, or at least that will be a window that a lot of people are gonna crawl through mm-hmm. and say this movie was terrible and it's nothing like the text, which you know X Men First Class took a lot of liberties as well. That's on my list of shame. I have not read the Days of Future Past storyline, but you have Jesse, um, and yes. I, I know, and I had read that you 
shouldn't go into it expecting that. Right. But how, how, with, with your, with your knowledge of it, how does, how did that affect your, your viewing of the movie? Oh, how spoilery do you want me to get? <laughs> um, about what? Well, uh, I, I won't spoil the movie, but you know, like. Okay, I was gonna say about about which one—the movie or the comic? Because. That way, the, yeah, more the comic because, um, the like right off the bat, there's they they change the core, the core person that goes back in time. Yeah, I had heard that. And they they kind of adapt someone else's powers in order to make it happen. So there's some things where you're like, I don't know if they can do that, you know. Um, but they, I think that they adapted it well for this modern for this modern audience. And I think that they used some some I don't know for lack of a better term, logic um, like mod, modern logic within the the context of these movies that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Like who who's best suited for the time travel? There's a lot of differences because I believe in the, in the original comic, and it's been a while since I've read it. Um, I believe all of the future stuff pretty much happens at the beginning of the book. So you get you get all of your future like at the beginning, and then the rest of it is is oh we got to stop this future, mm-hmm. and and so you get to see a lot of really important characters have already died in the future and you can see that a lot of um important characters do die before they send so and so back mm-hmm. and so in this in this they they play it more back and forth so that you don't necessarily see everybody decimated in the first 20 minutes i do like the little bit of back and forth you know, I think I think it does a really good job of the handful of elements that they hold to to make this Days of Future Past. I think they did a really good job with it, and and tying it into First Class, it's the best way that they could. They hold, they have the Sentinels, they have the the core plot of you know of what's supposed to happen in in uh, Days of Future Past. It's a different character, it's a different reason, but it it follows the same kind of plot line mm-hmm. in that in in that they're you know what they're what they're sent back to do is to course correct this one key moment in time and uh and they make they make some i mean they make some some different uh choices with it that i thought were really kind of cool like like the science of the sentinels is totally different because sentinels are just sentinels mm-hmm. um and so they, they they take that new places yeah. But it was it was done well. I mean, like it it actually kind of explains how sentinels work because the sentinels always just worked. They always just were these adaptable mutant killing machines, and they never really were explained how they had that capability. And so this movie does a little bit better job of trying to explain that. Yeah, I thought that was a I thought that was a pretty interesting part of the movie, and it plays. A- pretty big role in just how things go down specifically their explanation for for how how they have these capabilities itself is a huge huge plot point for the movie one criticism of the sentinels i liked the first sentinels like the earliest sentinels mm-hmm. but the future sentinels i thought looked a lot like that creature from the first Thor movie. You know what I'm talking about? That metal creature? Oh, yeah, yeah. That could shoot fire uh, out of its face? Yeah. They yeah, lo- no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the design was really close to uh, that, actually. And, 
and I can kind of see, I mean, like knowing, knowing a little bit more about, um, how the, they've adapted the Sentinels an awful lot over time. Um, so the future Sentinels, uh, start to resemble something totally different to, to where like modern continuity, the, the Sentinels that we have, just if there's an X-Men book happening like right now in the, the quote unquote present, uh-huh. those, those Sentinels don't look anything like the Sentinels that, that we were used to and what we got exposed to in the days of future past storyline. They're more like, um, they walk among us kind of Terminator style. This harkens a little bit to what would be considered the Nimrod class of Sentinels. And, uh, so, you know, like, I, I can kind of forgive it, but, but yeah, it was a little bit jarring. You know, these are the first Sentinels that you're going to see on screen. You'd kind of want them to look like the classic design. Yeah, and I mean, I can understand why they wouldn't look like the early ones, but I was a little thrown by that design. The Portal stuff was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's some really great, what is it, like, set pe- action set pieces and you can definitely see an influence of certain things like the game portal in the way that portals are used. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was that I thought that was fun. It was a lot of fun mutants that we hadn't seen on the screen before, and then uh, some that we had, and we finally get to see them have their day. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they actually know how to use their powers now. We've only waited seven films to see this. <laughs> and I love the casting. Yeah. I, I mean, most of the cast was held over from previous X-Men movies, obviously, but still, they were well cast to begin with. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> that guy's great. We watched Game of Thrones, and and he's he's great in that. Oh, is he the little person? Yeah. Yeah. And he's in this, and I was really impressed with... Okay, so he's in this. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that impressed me most is they didn't go with the... The expected route of like, we have a little person in here for this reason. Like, he's just cast as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't, yeah. and this isn't necessarily spoiler, it doesn't come into play at all that he's a little person. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. I, I, I like it when they can do that rather than, yeah, focus on that as a, you know. I like it because he's, he's obviously, he's a good actor, and they cast him in here because he's a good actor. He he gave that character some depth that we hadn't seen, probably even in the books. And you have time to uh, get into development in the books. But uh, I th- I think they really did a good job of fleshing him out. Hmm. I thought the look of the movie was interesting. Uh, you got the future stuff, which is um, dark and a little bit more like what you might expect from a future. What are they? A dystopian mm-hmm. type setting. It's very, it's, what if what if Mordor were blue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Instead of red. If Mordor were blue, that's the future. And then I, I like the look of the past. Can we say, like, what time period no. the past stuff happens in? No. They don't jump around, though? Not really. That surprises me. I would expect a time travel movie, you'd want them to be time traveling. One thing I liked about this, More. their take on the time travel, is they specifically, like set the rules of, like, this is how it works. Mm-hmm. And the rules the rules themselves are kind of designed to work around, um, like, all kinds of crazy paradoxes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's specifically, this is how it works. 
And then, I don't want to say any more because it's a spoiler, but I, I liked how they set the time travel rules. So you couldn't, like, kill your own grandpa? And then become your own grandpa? <laughs> well, you could. You could. I mean, that's not necessarily something you'd want to do. No, I know. Yeah. Uh, um... <laughs> But it's, no, actually, I was just thinking future. Actually, and I again, I don't want to spoil it. You couldn't. I don't think it would work that way. Actually, right, Jesse? It, it wouldn't work that way. Just the way they have it set up, you couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't want to. I can't say anymore. It's, no, it's, I, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm asking too much. But I, but I liked how they handled the time travel stuff, and they have it set up in such a way that it kind of works around most issues with time travel movies. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes it also a little less messy. Like you said, like you were kind of expecting a lot of jumping around, mm-hmm. which would have been cool too. But it's a very clean way they set it up. Okay. Yeah. Not that things always go smooth and clean, but the rules of the time travel itself is very specific. Yeah. Yeah. I love time travel. And they borrow, I think they borrow from some good um, time travel that we've seen in the past. Like, it reminded me of Somewhere in Time, that Christopher Reeves movie. I don't know if I've seen it. Probably better that you haven't. Oh, oh, really? Okay. (laughs) I mean, because that might, that could be spoilery. Okay, uh, okay. If you knew what I was talking about. But I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite time travel movies. But it is a straight-up love story. It's It's a time travel love story. Christopher Reeves. Very good. I'm trying to think of what else. There are some excellent scenes. I would watch it again. Like Godzilla, I might wait till it comes out on video and I'd watch it again, maybe. But you were talking about potentially watching it, going to the theater, see it, and I was like, I'll go. X Men. Yeah, I'd go see it again. Yeah, I know. I want to go like when we're done. I'd I'll, I'd go see it tonight. I'd rather if, actually, honestly, if we're gonna see it, I kind of would rather see it tonight because it's five dollar Tuesdays. Yeah, and that's way cheaper. But yeah, it's it's that kind of movie. I would go watch it again because there's it's good, but there's also there's a few sequences that there's a few action sequences and and moments that are excellent. I thought, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think of a way so I can at least like convey to Jesse the specifically one of my favorite parts without spoiling it. Um, yeah, I know how exactly how you can do that. Use your phone and text him. Well, <laughs> but I also, if, if people have seen it and they're listening, I also want them to know what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. But, but I, I have to be very careful not to spoil. You do. Um, but anyway, I, I can't think of anything. Okay. I can't think of a way to put it. So here's a question, yes. um, and it's one that I've been asking myself, and it is, um, I like it. As I'm like a comic book person, and so I get all of the references they're making, and I get the kind of the format of this time travel and all that. Do you think that the casual moviegoer is going to dig this movie as much as the uh, hardcore X-Men fan? Everything I've heard, for the most part, has been favorable towards this. So if you're able to pull off an X-Men movie in a way that the X-Men fans still like, it's going to be hard to beat their love for the movie. You know what I mean? Um, right. I, don't, I don't know that the general audiences would like it as much, but it's doing very well. And I know that general audiences are... it's Critically, I believe it's still looked at pretty well. Um, I think I think 
I think with comic book movies that do very well, I think the majority of people who go see it and are like, yeah, that's good, aren't necessarily comic book fans. I think comic book fans specifically is a lot smaller number than we might mm-hmm. expect. Um, and it seems to be doing, it seems to be well-received, generally. Mm-hmm. I would say, because well, I mean, I've read some X-Men, but I haven't read a lot. And when I saw most of the other movies, I hadn't read any. Uh, and I, I don't really think it matters. I mean, it's, well, if it's good characters in a good movie, mm-hmm. they, you know. Well, and it also helps from a general audience point of view that um, this is essentially seven movies into a huge franchise that's been going on 14, 15 years almost mm-hmm. since the first yeah. one came out. Not all the characters are well-known, but the established characters are well-known at this point. Mm-hmm. But if this was the first X-Men movie, I don't know that it'd be accepted quite as well. But since we already have this set up, you know, at least you know these characters. Um, you don't have to really worry about audiences being confused by the characters or not, or, or you know, not accepting the characters. And you can, you can do a story like this where it focuses. It's almost kind of a concept piece, you know, in a way where you can... You can do this time travel story because, for the most part, the characters are taken care of. You don't have to worry about that. Mm. Um, right. I think if you were to try to introduce characters, like all the characters, there's a lot of characters in this movie, um, and time travel, um, that might be a bit much for audiences. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely, because that's one of my one of the issues that I have with with the X-Men comic start. I've just recently you know, started reading it not yeah. too long ago, it, but I get confused. I'm like, there's so many people mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to keep track of them sometimes. But then again, I'm, I read, I you read binge. A, you, get, you, get, you, hard, you have a hard time keeping track of most comics cause you read so many. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, um, well, most of the Marvel books is that's an issue is that you're not just dealing with X-Men characters when you read like all new X-Men or uncanny X-Men. Mm you're dealing with all of the Marvel characters potentially at any po- point in time can come in mm-hmm. and you're kind of expected to know who it is. Um, Oh, one thing I did want to mention is there are a lot of characters in the movie, but I didn't find the issue of like when you have this huge ensemble cast movie mm-hmm. where a lot of times you don't get enough time with that character. It keeps jumping around. This movie does a pretty good job at balancing that. It doesn't jump around a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of characters, but there's the central groups that you you stick with for the most part. Okay. And Quicksilver is awesome. <laughs> he is awesome. That's I think that's one of that's one of like they released those early pictures of a lot of the characters, and Quicksilver looked ridiculous. Yeah. And that, <laughs> he did, and that's played by the guy that by that guy that's in American Horror Story. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking. Yeah, about? yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's my favorite. Yeah, he's on American Horror Story. Yeah, yeah. Um, he plays Quicksilver, and those are that's like in terms of fun. The like I the the section that he's I wish he was in it more because the section that he's in is the most fun that the movie is during the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus his his he's super useful. They could have used him through the whole movie. Yeah. But maybe that's an issue of like, well, that would simplify things too much. Well, that's, yeah. but that's with all of them. There's, you know, people having all these amazing powers. 
there's so much more that they could do with their freaking powers that they can't do. Otherwise, it would be like there's no point in the story. The story is over in done. fifteen minutes. Yeah. yeah. Imagine, like, imagine if they were all on a team. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's really kind of the trick of something like that, where you're either working with such powerful characters or a group of characters Oops, together sorry. who have all these powers. You have to invent ways for them to, to separate them. Or else it'd be very difficult to present a conflict that wouldn't be over in ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. It's a Superman problem. Yeah. He's so amazing that you just have to make up reasons why he can't just do everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, that's like early seasons of Doctor Who. <laughs> we've got to we've got to separate Barbara, Ian, and uh, the Doctor so that uh, they have to find each other mm-hmm. for the next six episodes. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, they they drag it out a little bit. That sounds like a segue to me. Ah, oh hey. Okay, final words on X Men. I really liked it. A lot of people are saying it's their favorite of all the X Men movies, and it might be my favorite of the X-Men movies. It's hard to say. I'd like to watch it again before I said for sure. Mm. I recently watched The Wolverine for the first time, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed that mm-hmm. quite a bit. Can I say something real quick? You can. Not about that. It's about X-Men in general. Yeah. But that I learned earlier today that I thought was interesting, and he had said something. Uh, the X-Men were originally were created to kind of uh, parallel the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. and uh, Xavier is supposed to, to be like a... Martin Luther King Jr. and Magneto is supposed to be like Malcolm X, and the and their uh, parts in the in the movement. Yeah, in their idea. That's that's and I can totally see that with the ideals. Yeah. That the characters have. Yeah. yeah. I just thought that was very interesting. Okay, that's it. Speaking of time travel. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Doctor Who. Yes, finally. We don't talk a lot of Doctor Who on here, and and we should, yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh wait, are we? I'm sorry, are we talking about well, the episode, what, or are we talking about what, the issue that we're in? That's what we're about to discuss. Okay, let's do that. Um, what would you like to talk about, Jesse? We all watched um, the first Doctor story, Planet of the Giants. Yeah, let's do. Let's work from oldest to newest. Okay, so let's okay. do that first. All right, Planet of the Giants is a first Doctor story. Um, it's the first story arc from the second season of Doctor Who ever, so that would put it about 1964, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and I'm glad you suggested this one. Um, I had seen it before, but it's it's definitely one of the more memorable ones. From here on out, we'll probably talk spoilers on everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a little ridiculous, I guess, to discuss spoilers for a uh, 64, so what is that? The 50-year-old 50, 50 movie? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or 50-year-old show? Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, uh, this is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, decades before Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> yeah, that was my... I Actually, this is the first time I watched it all the way through, but I had seen Randy watching it. I just in- initially refused to watch old stuff, because I'm like, I'm not going to watch recreations. But, um... I had seen him watching that one, and I'm like, whoa, it's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids! And that's, that is, like, really what it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I've, it's really well done, considering that 
era because you think about how many years in the future uh, before we get Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and they they do a pretty good job of of uh, showing these set pieces that make everything look pretty big. Yeah, the production on that story specifically is really stand out. I mean, I think when at least a lot of people who are familiar with that era of Doctor Who think of like. Uh, productions, you might think of, um, what's the one with the spiders and all the, the spiders and the bees and is that Web of Fear? Oh, no, that's not uh, Web of Fear. No, but they kind of call forward to it, uh, because like Ian's like, what kind of a planet would have giant insects like this? They and do, then, don't they? <laughs> I didn't even catch no. that. Yeah, yeah. And then later on they wind up there. So that's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, so th- that one stands out, and then I don't know if people think of this one, but they should, because this is definitely one of the better produced from a set production and set design standpoint. It's pretty mm-hmm. impressive, given that I know it was um, a fairly low-budget show. Mm-hmm. And I believe this was a story that they come up with during the first season, but they dif- didn't have the money for it. Mm-hmm. And ah. so when they got approved for a second season, that's they boom. This is the story they chose first. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I believe that's at least the rough idea of something I heard about it at some point. Mm-hmm. No, I thought I thought it was really impressive too because a lot of their, especially the background stuff, there didn't really seem to be a whole lot necessarily. But it seems like a lot of times, like they'll have a couple a couple things around, mm-hmm. and then they have like a painted background, which a lot of them were painted really amazingly. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's obviously really fake. But this one. And I think a lot of that, too, might have been that they didn't really have to have a background because everything was so far away. Yeah. But everything looked much more realistic than it did a lot of times. Yeah. And they did a few moments of, like, obviously projecting onto a screen behind the yeah. actors. You know, that's a little yeah. less convincing. But for the most part, like, when they're out in the yard mm-hmm. and you've got the huge things of grass and the dirt yeah. and there's the big bugs. I was impressed with um, when they're in the house at one point, a big fly lands by... Barbara mm-hmm. and she 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 faints, but I was kind of impressed with the fly creature and the way it jiggled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yeah. Well, the story is set up really well in that regard too, because um, like there's kind of like two stories happening where the doctor and and the crew they materialize, but they wind up being uh, shrunk shrunk down because something goes wrong with the materialization. Well, when they when they show up there, there's that sub story about pesticides, uh-huh. mm-hmm. which I thought was like way ahead of its time because now we're, you know, like now in our modern time, we're actually worried about killing bees and stuff like that. And this story kind of harkens to that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that whole pesticide thing, it's it's clever from a production standpoint too because we only need these uh, insects to be alive, like. Sometimes uh-huh. and then they die, and now all we have is a set piece that doesn't have to move anymore. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, precisely. It doesn't have to move, and then also you don't have to worry about like, well, why aren't there more creatures around? Because you know they're all dead because mm-hmm. of the pesticides. And that was another yeah. thing that I also really liked about that that storyline um, was it, they were there the whole time. But for the most part, they had very little effect on what was going on, but everything still got resolved. Yeah. Yeah. And really, it had, like, nothing to do with them. Well, except the only the only real effect that they would had, I, I believe, uh, was the expl- that can of exploding stuff mm. that, uh, uh-huh. whatever, did, did, did at least shocked, if not hurt, the bad guy. 
and he dropped the gun. Otherwise, things could have gone a little worse. That's true. But, you know, but for the most part, it, it resolved itself. And I appreciated that, that there's a doctor episode where the doctor doesn't really, <laughs> you know. Um, they come in and swoop and save Yeah, everything. yeah, exactly. That's a little bit of, that's almost kind of a first doctor type thing, though. There's a lot of times when, um, with the first doctor stories, at least the early ones, it's not necessarily he comes and saves the day. A lot of times it's just he comes, they're in this situation, they have to deal with the situation and mm-hmm. get out alive. And then oftentimes the story that they're getting wrapped up in kind of resolves itself. Sometimes they have an effect on it. But yeah, that's kind of a first doctor thing. Mm -hmm. He's less of a hero that he becomes and more of a, just an explorer and a scientist. (laughs) Who gets locked out of the TARDIS an awful lot. Yeah. And people steal it a lot. I noticed that too. The TARDIS? Yeah. 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 Um, well, and that becomes one of those things. The TARDIS is a very powerful tool that you could use to get around most plot points. So they have to, uh, Get rid of it. Have a workaround, yeah. And that's true of new Doctor Who, too. There's a lot of times where they have to have some type of workaround where they can't get to the TARDIS, or else they could get out of there or zoom to where they need to. Yeah. Well, I think the fixed point in time was a huge course correct there. It was like, we can't change this. It's a fixed point in time, so traveling back in time isn't necessarily going to help us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was actually a little surprised by, because I think the specific wording of fixed point at in time is I don't know how re- how new, but a newer concept. But yeah. I mean, at least the newer wording for the concept. But even way back in the at during um, the Aztec storyline, which is a first Doctor story, um, that was still kind of a concept that was an issue because Barbara had a problem with these Aztecs um, sacrificing people, and the Doctor was like, "You gotta, you gotta kind of let them, you gotta let them do what they do because that's just how they how it is." Mm-hmm. It needs to be that way at this point in time. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of off topic. I'm sorry, but yeah. Yeah. My favorite part was the, the drain, uh, like chain to the stopper. I don't know why, but I love that thing. I'm like, the, I want a big chain. That they had to climb up, and, climb down up and down. And poor Barbara. <laughs> and of course she was, she was ill at that time, but poor Barbara, when she tried to get off and uh, on that thing, uh, it looked so awkward. Mm-hmm. She looked like she was having such a tr- hard time climbing down onto it. I kind of chuckled a little. That's that's one of the that in the drain set. I mm-hmm. thought that's one of the standout parts for sure in terms of set. Like when they're on the desk or the table or whatever, it's yeah. Um, that stuff's not bad, but the yard stuff and that that just that drain whole set. Yeah, I thought yeah. was definitely standout. Mm-hmm. Um, the the little plot point about um, Barbara touching the insecticide and being worried. I I, I like how she portrayed that. Like, she's definitely worried, um, but it makes Ian seem like such a jerk because he's such a blockhead about it. He just doesn't connect why she's upset, mm-hmm. and and it just seems like he's he's extra jerky. I don't even understand that because I'm pretty sure she specifically was like, oh, it's all sticky. She did. Can I have your handkerchief? Well, what do you think she's talking about, you know? Yeah, yeah, and moments <laughs> later, he's like, make sure not to touch it. It's Yeah, yeah. like, he, yeah. Well, the idea is he wasn't paying attention to her, but... What's that? Oh, Ian. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ian. Good good grief, you blockhead. (laughs) (laughs) Chitterton, Chesterton, 
Chester. Chesterfield. They didn't really do it in that story, but the doctor, it's kind of an ongoing joke that the first doctor always mispronounces his name. Mm-hmm. He's always flubbing his lines, and he gets that one wrong all the time. Yeah, so they kind of just, like, roll with it all the time. Yeah. Um, and this is obviously after they have a little bit better setup in terms of production. I was really interested watching that um, Adventures in, was Adventures in Space and Time mm-hmm. uh, about the, the the first like Doctor Who at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they pretty much shot everything like it was a live show and they were only allotted, like they'd have to switch between cameras, but for the most part they were only allotted three actual edits per episode. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly by this time, by the second season, they had a a bit better setup because there's no way they'd have been able to do it the way they did it. Mm-hmm. That same method. And if they did, I'm super impressed, but I doubt they did. Yeah. Is, is Verity Lambert, is she still around at this point? Oh, I'm not sure. That's a good question. I'm not sure at what point she actually, she, she left. She might, she might've been gone by now. It might've only been the first season, but I could be wrong. I can't remember if it was uh, who left first, if it was the original TARDIS gang or if it was her. I can't remember. Oh, that's a good question. Okay. I, th- I think the granddaughter left first. Oh, you might be right. Yeah. Yeah, because the granddaughter was the first companion to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Planet of the Giants. Um, it, it it drags a little bit, but it doesn't it doesn't suffer... The same type of drag on and stretching the story out as a lot of the older episodes do. Yeah. Well, it doesn't hurt that it's only three episodes long. Oh, that's um, true, huh? When and I was reading up on it too. Apparently, it was originally four parts, and they decided to kind of merge the third and the fourth. And uh, that that original footage was lost, and so that would kind of make it the first missing episode. Oh wow! Yeah, that's interesting. So, sort of, but not you know, kind of, but not really. Well, they they. That's crazy. I can't. I can't. I can't envision another episode's worth. But to their credit, also, right. it, I can't. I wouldn't notice when stuff was missing. When stuff was cut, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it works better as a three-parter. I think. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of the older ones that might have benefited from that, <laughs> from that treatment. Oh. Well, I watched uh, Reign of Terror right before, you know, because chronologically, Reign of Terror is the would be the finale of the first season, and it's one of those that six parts, two of the episodes are recons, and yeah, that really started to drag, especially with the two recons in the middle. You had mentioned, you, I know you had sent me, you had messaged me about, I had asked you on, you know, I think on Facebook, what was Reign of Terror about again? Reign of Terror is the French Revolution, where um, this is all in that time where the Doctor is trying to get them back, and uh, Ian's kind of, like, made him mad a little bit, and he's like, well, of course I can get you back home. And so he's like, that's it, I'm taking you home. And he gets him to Earth, but it's the wrong era. Um, And then, Uh you know, followed up by Planet of the Giants, well, it's Earth, but something goes wrong with the dematerialization. And so now we've got Earth, but we're the size of insects. Uh huh. So. No, that was another aspect I liked. That that was even uh, the right time period. And yeah, but yeah exactly. They still could, messing up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I I. Uh, 
see things I keep thinking about later. Um, I enjoyed what they did, how they treated this, the, the idea of sound and voices and why they couldn't communicate with, there was just little extra, there's, there seemed like extra thought put into the science behind it. Mm -hmm. That kind of makes Planet of the Giants stand out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I liked it. Mm Mm-hmm. It was pretty fun, you know, as far as first Doctor stories go. I think I could recommend this to people that were like, hey, what about the classic series? You know, if if I were going to recommend a first Doctor story, I might recommend this one. Yeah, I think I think this one would stand up. And since it is the three episodes, the pacing is not too bad. And yeah. it's an interesting enough concept that, yeah, I think it would stand up in a lot of people. A lot of people that are fans of the newer show or just or just a more modern audience would would be able to tolerate it and get enjoyment out of it. You could trick them. Yeah. Trick them into liking the old doctor stuff. And then be like, here you go, here's a, what's one, like Marco Polo or something where there's no episodes remaining. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is a bummer because you talk about production. I think that's supposedly like the best produced one of the first season that's, because they really put a lot of time and effort into the costumes and, and whatnot. Yeah, that's what that's yeah, that's what I've always heard of it too. And not a single episode exists nope. that we're aware of. All gone. Oh, I did want to say real quick, and I know this is eating into time. I've been listening to a lot of the Big Finish plays, audio plays. Mm-hmm. The ones I've been listening to are have been pretty excellent. It's been mostly fourth, fourth and fifth Doctor oh, stories. Man, those are really good. Check out the Eternal Summer. It's a fifth Doctor adventure. I believe it's just one of the regular like Big Finish monthly monthlies that they do or whatever. Uh-huh. But that one was excellent. It's very... It's a lot more tiny-wimey than some <laughs> of... Like, well, you know, Doctor Who's a time travel, but, like, there's not as many stories of specifically about, like, just kind of getting into a mess of time travel as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a pretty good one. And I, actually, I think I... I liked it a lot more than all the Fifth Doctor stories, like TV stories that we've watched so far. We haven't watched yeah. them all, but um, it was pretty good. I believe it was a Fifth Doctor and Nessa story. Ah, that's good because I can't stand Tegan. Tegan, oh, <laughs> Tegan, oh. I was so disappointed when we finally dropped her off and then picks her up again the next episode. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I know. We finally got rid of her. Jeez. <laughs> She's just so negative, like, the whole time. I admit, she didn't really sign up for it. She kind of got in a situation where she got kind of swept along, and her auntie got shrunk and all this. Yeah. So I understand. But she's just so, like, the whole time, she's like, take me home, I want to go home, I want to go home, basically. Mm -hmm. That he's she's traveling. And then he finally, like, she gets left at home at an airport, Mm -hmm. the airport she was supposed to start working at, Mm -hmm. perfectly where she needs to be. The doctor leaves, and she gets all upset. He left me. Mm-hmm. And then she shows up in the next, the very beginning of the next episode or next season or whatever. I don't remember when she got dropped off and picked up. Yeah. Um, and at first she's like, I have no job anymore. We can go on adventures. And then I'm pretty sure the next episode she's like, I hate being here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> essentially. She's just such a whiner. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of her. I know me either. Companion. Unfortunately, that's kind of a that's kind of a hallmark of the J and T era, where sometimes the the writers would write these characters in a certain way. Um, in particular, the next Doctor after 
after the fifth Doctor, you get some characters that are even more kind of like, this is what they are, and I don't know if we'll ever see them evolve past it. Oh, really? That sucks. I mean, it's not, you know, and I don't want to condemn the whole of of the JNT era, because what you'll get is you'll get um, some kind of phenomenal hits and some phenomenal misses. Yeah, yeah. And that I, I think you even, I mean, you're seeing that already in The Fifth Doctor. But, yeah, the way that The Fifth Doctor rounds out with his final story, that that is one of probably the best Fifth Doctor stories. Yeah, there's, there's some good Fifth Doctor stuff to come, and there's some interesting plot lines. There's also some pretty kind of cheesy ones that are coming too. It's been pretty much the same with any of the comic books I read, but for the audio plays, kind of what's holding me back is where we're at in the TV show. I pretty much ah. want every like character that's from the TV show to be introduced to me by the TV show. Mm-hmm. So right. that's why I'll target Fourth Doctor stuff and Fifth Doctor stuff with either on his own or with companions that I know. Yeah. Because there's fifth doctor audio plays with companions that are kind of spoilers for the show. Mm-hmm. So I'll avoid that. But so, okay. So we'll hold off on that. The, the other doctor who the comic book thing we were mm-hmm. going to talk about. I'm excited for the new doctor who comic books, by the way, I can't wait for yeah. those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should do web uh, comic recommendations. Okay. Sure. The web comic that I'm going to do, um, you know, with with these web comics, with these reviews, I've been kind of avoiding uh, the folks who are like the people that I communicate with regularly. I, I don't want it to be just me talking about my friends online, kind of thing. Sure. But it, in in this case, uh, this week or this month, uh, I'm going to talk about Ninja and Pirate, and he is one of uh, one of the folks that I tweet with pretty regularly, and. Uh, one of the reasons that I want to review his is that uh, he, since the last episode came out, he dropped a book. So we've got a Ninja and Pirate Volume 1, which you can purchase uh, if you go to his website. And his website is uh, ninjaandpirate.com. So real simple and easy to find. And he's got links to his book um, on the sidebar. And you can also search it on... Uh, Amazon.com is, is where you can find his book. And uh, so Ninja and Pirate, just right off the bat, you, you think about ninjas and pirates and, and what makes them interesting. And so slap them together in kind of a, uh, in, in kind of an, like a roommate situation. So you've got your prototypical ninja, you've got your prototypical pirate, and they are splitting the rent kind of thing. Uh, I've, I've actually written a blog about this particular webcomic, and in that, I, I I kind of talk about, like, it's a slice-of-life comic meets action and adventure, so it's like uh, the odd couple meets Mike Tyson fight, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or, you, or you get, like, Friends meets Bad Boys 2, <laughs> so you know, it's, it's got a lot of uh, different elements, so... Like the one moment they're going to be uh, talking about uh, ridiculous old uh, Shaquille O'Neal movies or the Shaquille O'Neal movies that should or shouldn't have been made. Uh, and then the next they'll go off on a storyline tangent, which will be uh, potentially an outer space epic. Um, so with that in mind, um, Ninja and Pirates definitely highly recommended for me. Um, 
again, I'm biased because I, I generally like the comic and I like the creator. And so I, I think that it's easy to enjoy a creator when their product is so, um, so well done. If you look at uh, Joe's art style, Joe Flanders is, is the creator, writer and and artist for Ninja and Pirate. And his style is, uh, he calls them roundabouts, the way that he draws his characters. Yeah, that makes sense. And they're, they're kind of, you know, like, I don't know, they're cylindrical, they're round. Uh, and so it's a very, it's a very unique style. Uh, you know, you can, you can look at lots of different web comics that kind of all look the same. You get a lot of talking heads, you know, you got a lot of that. And uh, his art style makes his comic kind of unique in that it's not, it's not going to look like everything else that you see out there. And yet within that, he really explores what he can do within that style. And uh, it, it comes together as a pretty fun, unique, and consistent product that I think people should read. Yeah, I really like Ninja and Pirate, and I pulled it up. I don't know if Melanie's checked it out before, but I pulled it up while you were talking about it and flipped through a few of the panels, and yeah, it's good. I like Ninja and Pirate quite a bit. Right now, he's doing a lot of one-offs. Um, he's, you know, he'll kind of jump between one-offs and long-form stories, but he's been doing long-form story uh, pretty consistently with with the. Um, with the strips for quite a while. And so uh, he, he uses the chapter kind of uh, format. Mm-hmm. And so this, I think he's on chapter four, maybe. And so, so chapter four has been a lot of like one-offs where they're, you know, sometimes it's ninja and pirate go to an art museum. And sometimes it's just Joe kind of commenting on something like, like I think uh, one of the more recent ones he did was actually about days of future past and designing the costume for Mystique. Mystique, yeah, we're looking at that one. <laughs> oh, it's pretty awesome. And no wardrobe ever, always. <laughs> because reasons. Yep. Yeah, that's good. That's ninjapirate.com is what we're looking at. Yeah. Go read it. Go read go, it. Go. And you know what? Buy his book, because that's a good way to sit down and enjoy the first two chapters. Mm-hmm. And we'll have, we'll have, we'll, I'll have uh, links in the show notes to that, of course. In fact, I'm going to piggyback and piggyback your recommendation. That'll be mine, too. Melanie's got one of her own, so I'm going to skip mine and say, yeah, go check out Ninja Pirate. What do you got, Melanie? SMBC, which is Saturday Morning Breakfast Cereal. That's, you know, C-E-R-E-A-L, obviously, Cereal. Yeah. It's by uh, Zach Wiener, or Wiener Smith. I'm not entirely certain which. Either way, what a horrible last name. Um, (laughs) On the website, yeah, on on the website of the comic, it's um, smbc-comics.com. It's by Zach Wiener, but if you check him out on Twitter, it's Zach Wiener Smith. Maybe we're pronouncing that wrong, but that seems the logical way to pronounce it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I think that's right. I've heard some podcasts that he's been Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's funny. I like it. Uh, there's sometimes it, it seems uh, sciency, which I enjoy because I like science a lot. And then a lot of times it's not it's just silly, funny stuff, um, which I also enjoy. So, but it, it seems like a lot of it's like a one-off style. Oh yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah it is. And I hadn't heard about this till you told me about it uh, just today. So, and I, I was checking it out, and yeah. 
it's funny. Yeah. And the thing that drew it to me, which I, I, uh, is not going to uh, apply to anyone other than us three, uh, the, the little icon that uh, pops up for it is a picture, a, a cartoon character that, that looks like Steve. And I was like, oh my God, it's a cartoon Steve. And, and that's why I started reading it. Yeah, you found it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming, I could be wrong, but I'm assuming that's a cartoon version of the writer, the the, the creator. But yeah, he looks a lot like Steve. But yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. See, th- this is this is my problem. I can't be like, oh, and this and that. I'm like, yeah, it's good. No, it's Read okay. It. Yeah, that's a recommendation. Well, it's like you said. Go ahead. He's really uh, he's really involved in a lot of projects too. If you if you poke around on his site, you're gonna find that he also does um, some video series. Uh, was it Saturday morning breakfast cereal TV or whatever. like theater or something? I think. Yeah, theater. Yeah. That, I think. Right, yeah, and those, uh, yeah, dig through some of those too if you get a chance because those are, those are super funny as well. We actually tried, but the computer wouldn't let us. It was, uh, it didn't want to. Yeah, the plugin went, started crashing. I yeah. should try it, and we'll try it in Firefox sometime. Okay, we're in Chrome, Chrome right now. But yeah, we we did want to check that out. We just weren't able to. Yeah, I'll have links to that, and um, we also found uh, he has a Twitter account, his personal Twitter account, and um, the Twitter account for the. Uh, the comic itself, the webcomic, which he, he seems to post post all his new stuff on there, of course, so we'll include those links as well. Oh, if we're going to move on to the poll list, I'm going to have to pull up, we're going to have to pick the next poll, or the next pick. We're going to have to pick the next pick. Pull, pull that up, then. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, I was drowning a little bit on that one. <laughs> Well, that's a little pick-me-up, then. Well, this episode, we're going to be talking about um, the Punisher, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Punisher Max, specifically. But next month, it looks like the winner by... You can say a narrow margin, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's not a whole lot of votes on this thing. I'm hoping as the show grows, so there's this poll list of voting thing. But that's all right. All right, the next poll list is... I would assume you would pronounce that we three. Ah. Like it to me. I have no idea what that is. So it's is it like an- animals that can talk in robot suits or something. I, <laughs> I probably just butchered that. Like, I, yeah, I don't. Well, let's see. <laughs> Do, no, you're absolutely hundred percent correct. Actually. Yeah. I know things. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh, I like it. What is this? Okay, okay. See, see, we know like nothing. Well, Jesse clearly knows, but we knew nothing of this. <laughs> oh, this is just a this is a three issue miniseries. Okay, well, we'll do the whole thing then. Oh, that, that's easy. We can do that. We three, uh, according to Wikipedia, is a three issue American comic book miniseries by writer Grant Morrison and artist Frank Quietly, and that is what I think. I think we had come across this on a list mm-hmm. and added it on there ourselves um, because of the creative team. Oh, yeah, that makes um, sense. And it's described, uh, let's see. And the creative team described the kinetic style as Western manga. And it's from 2004, produced by Vertigo. So, yeah, that is what we'll be reading for next month. I'm excited for that. That looks interesting. I'm noticing we're, we're reviewing an awful lot of, like, animal style. <laughs> it's like animal farm style uh, books on our poll list. That's a good point, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Mouse, Punisher, and We Three. All right, cool. I'm excited for that. 
smaller case, lower case in it. It looks it looks cute, but what isn't cute <laughs> is the Punisher Max. No, uh, and this is this is not for kids. It says so right on the cover. Yeah, yeah. and I'd like to reiterate: there is some hardcore gore mm-hmm. and language, adult themes. This is mm-hmm. very much not for kids. Yeah. Uh, this actually, and I've read some other Garth Ennis stuff, and he 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 when he when he can he he likes colorful language, and he has a a very specific he has a talent of working with colorful language. Yes, he does. Um, but this is definitely one of the harder edged books I've read. Period. In terms of in terms of the adult nature. Yeah. Yeah. But having said that. I, I this is what I want the next Punisher movie to be. <laughs> like this is the Punisher movie we need to have. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've never seen Punisher Warzone. I think it was like a direct DVD thing. I could be wrong. I've heard yeah. that. Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I missed the I missed the original guy. Okay. Yeah, I have not seen that. There's things that were pretty good about. I mean, it, it wasn't a horrible movie, but it could have been better. I heard it's got some edge to it, though, is why I mention it. But but it's really not even just edge; it's the way that the edge is used is important. Yeah. yeah. If they would have, if they would have maybe put more of that edge into the first movie, then we maybe would have seen, you know, more of that particular um, take on it. I guess because it's a it's a wholly different um, guy in the role of Punisher. Yeah. In that second one. If it's even meant to be a sequel, I don't know. Yeah, I did see the first one, and it wasn't bad, but um, it wasn't great either, I suppose. Yeah, it had a little bit too much camp for the Punisher. Yeah, you really, you really need to avoid camp in a Punisher movie. In trade paperback form, this is Punisher Max uh, in the beginning, first volume of trade uh, trade paperback. It's the first story arc, first six issues of Garth Ennis's run on the Punisher, with art by Louis uh, La Rosa. And, yeah, this is hardcore. Um, this is real hardcore. And it lets you know from the beginning. You get, it's not even, I mean, it's it's not an origin story at all. Like, you get the you get the setup at the beginning of the first issue mm-hmm. of, like, what made him the Punisher. And then, and then, then you got the story. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where to start with this. I enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh... Garth Ennis also did Preacher, I believe, um, and I think he has he. What's that? Ah, yeah. He did, I can see a little bit of that stylistic uh, similarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he likes ex- exploding craniums and yeah, he does. Half, half, <laughs> oh, missing, okay. missing half faces and half heads. Yeah, there's a lot of cranium explosion and and stuff in yeah. both of those. Uh-huh. This and that. I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this I enjoyed this quite a bit. I was always interested in the Punisher, but I honestly think this is the first Punisher comic I've ever read, mm-hmm. which is a little sad. So it was kind of a wall of sh- uh, list of shame thing for me. But this is what I had always this is what I had expected or what I'd hoped for in a Punisher. He's just he's just a quiet, hard, heavy, very violent anti-hero, which is what I had expected. Yeah. Yeah. And it's him taking out, I mean, there's this other, it's not just him taking out mob guys. There's a story. Um, 
the mob guy situation is almost like, well, that's status quo. That's just what he does. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and we'll probably discuss spoilers here, just saying. Um, yeah, you almost have to. Yeah. And then we've got this other story where um, essentially he's trying, uh, these people are trying to recruit him to his their cause. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just off the top, what did you guys think about it? Did you like it? Oh, yeah, I liked it. Yeah? I liked it very much. Yes. I I concur. And this is well, well done. Yeah, and this is exactly the kind of person that I prefer most of the time. Anyway, is um, kind of the 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 good guys that are still kind of bad guys. I like that a lot more than like a squeaky clean good guy. That's boring. I don't care for it. I like I like them a little rough. You, you like <laughs> an antihero and a bad boy. Yeah, I do. yeah, I do. He's got his rules, and they're as black and white as his costume. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> yeah. There's no wiggle room. You are either on his side or you're on the other side, and he will deal justice. Yeah, and he's he will, got. He will punish you. He's got no, no. Yeah, if, if you're on the other side, he's got no uh, conflict of conscience mm-hmm. about just blowing you away mm-hmm. and walking and, and away. And that's really driven. That's really driven home in this because you've got that moment. There's some. There's some very clever storytelling that happens in this. Because you've got the, you've got like almost three arcs happening. This story where you've got the mobs, uh, the mob story, which is kind of your your you know that's your usual Punisher. Then you've got your CIA or what you suppose is the CIA, mm-hmm. and they interweave, and then they interweave Micro. Yeah, which is pretty interesting to to, uh, to pull him in and the way that they do that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. That for a big chunk of this whole story, the Punisher's locked up in a room talking to Micro. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like a huge middle section of this. I mean, we only, it's six issues, but a large middle section is he's pretty much taken out of, out of the equation. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives time for the mobsters and the other stuff to like kind of start the ball rolling. Yeah. But even that stuff is super cool. And the little bit. Like he speaks very little, but that goes to the like. It's it's hard to say it without having to grolix my myself out, uh-huh. but you know, the the silent, uh, not brute, but you know, ugh. yeah, yeah. I he's a hard case. Hard case. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> you know what I was. You know what I was going for. The way that they drew his his face specifically, and kind of the other guys too. I really, I was not very, I didn't like very much. There was way too much texture going on. And I know he's supposed to be old and gnarled, but it was re- like, there were a couple times I had to be like, wait, I, I, what am I looking at here? Is that supposed to be his face? There's just way too many the art, um, lines and. I don't want to say the art's bad. Cause no, that, it's not. I don't think that's, it's a, definitely a stylistic choice. And there's a lot of times where the art, it doesn't look like that. Most of the other characters look normal. But yeah, specifically, and you pointed it out when it's when it's micro and him in that room specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much wrinkles and weird detail, and it almost looks. And there's a lot that looks anatomically incorrect. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like nor like it should. Yeah, and it just the art looks grotesque. That makes their face look weird and grotesque and mutated. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that was a choice that they. You know, was that that's what they was. What they were going for, you know? I would assume so. 
to try and make you be like, ugh, about it or something? Because that's how I felt. It's pretty noir. It's probably the most noir uh, portion of the uh, of, of the story, especially in the, the black and white, uh, inter- basically interrogation style room. And mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of makes me think of like Frank Miller stuff. It starts to make me think of Sin City kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but maybe, but you, you're right, a lot more texture and not quite as minimal as we're used to seeing in what would be Frank Miller's style. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments is when the Punisher when he finally gets out of that room, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, things At this point, everything's going downhill. Like mm-hmm. It's exploding. Everything's happening. He uses he uses another dude to headbutt another guy in a face in the face. Yeah. He headbutts he like grabs the back of one dude's head and uses that him to headbutt a guy across the hall across the hall in the face and that I, amused me. I don't know why. Uh-huh. Because it's it's using it's using a fo- one fool to beat another fool, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you pity the fool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing that I like, and not just in this, I like it in um, uh, preacher. Preacher also, I like the I like what he does with women. They're not like dainty little innocent flowers, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the woman yeah. in this one, jeez, yeah, <laughs> or she's she's lurid. Oh man, and hardcore. Uh-huh. And I like the bit where the Punisher's walking out, and I don't. Does he have? Is he carrying micro or something? He might be. And he's walking out, and she's sh- shot laying on the floor. And what she says uh-huh. <laughs> made me laugh out loud. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's lurid, but it was it was very humorous. Yeah, mm-hmm. inappropriate to her to her character. Totally. Yeah. 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 Well, and the only other uh, female character that you really see is one of his informants, and uh, she's really done well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was I like that scene too because it's it reinforces like Punisher's a hard case, and it's like you said once you're on once you're on the other side, it's just black and white with him. He doesn't care, but it's one of those moments where it's like it's the anti-hero moment where it's like he comes from a good place, but he will blow people away and not think twice. Mm-hmm. It's it's that kind of thing. Yeah, and I like the bit, the story that he tells his friend mm-hmm. to kind of, you know. Oh, yeah, the story he tells Micro yeah. about um, his neighbor uh-huh. when, when he, just just after the, the incident with his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a good story, and it's good to, it's a good thing to use to mess with somebody's head, too, I think. And he uses that again. He comes back around to that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end. With Micro at the end. Yeah. There's an interesting thing that they do with uh, the Punisher's story arc where um, they give – like at the beginning, he's pretty much – he's winning. He's ruling face on the mob. And then uh, this whole thing with Micro happens, and he has that moment of failure where he's stuck in the room for, what, three issues? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in that in that time, you know, you get this moment where you, you're kind of questioning – Will he, won't he uh, take Micro's deal, which would be, as Micro puts it, the, a way to save him. So the Punisher gets this opportunity and this choice to 
you know, potentially, or at least, you know, that's what we're led to believe is he could go a different path. He could, could potentially change his stars and stop being the Punisher. Uh, and he, you know, in the end, he chooses to no. That's all. That's all bunk. And I'm mm-hmm. the Punisher. Yeah. I stopped being anything else a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a little bit of um. There's still like a seedy side under even that deal. Mm-hmm. That he- Which I I'm pretty sure like he he brings up. I think that he's like there's always yeah. you know some something more to it and then eventually you find out what it is. Yeah. Which is bad news for Micro. Yeah. And I also liked I thought it was interesting the the CIA guy, the uh, or whatever whatever that group is. Mm-hmm. Uh I really thought he was going to be one of the guys that the, you know, the Punisher was going to deal with him. And <laughs> instead the mob guys dealed with him. It wasn't even mob guys. It was uh, oh, not that guy. It was Homeland Security. Oh, in the airplane or the yeah. helicopter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking the guys that the mob guys got a hold of in the car oh. and left him on the street with. No, uh, I felt bad for that guy. Yeah, me too. No, I was talking about the the main um, CIA or whatever whatever group it was. Yeah, because I, I guess it was his own little offshoot, but I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, that was a wild moment. Yeah. Where they're like waiting for a go green whatever, uh-huh. and then they get it, and then he's like, "All right," and he basically they just like boop out the out the helicopter. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's uh, another thing about this is the Punisher's, you know, hardcore, but so many people in this comic book are the one guy that wouldn't die, oh. wouldn't die, and then that guy even felt, you know had already been shot up and then fell out of a freaking helicopter and he's still laying there trying to make deals with people. Uh, yeah. I'm like, all of the people in this book are, like, crazy awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, those guys, the two the two uh, kind of wicked, mean um, mob guys, the henchmen, mm-hmm. basically, what, Pitsy and Inky or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ink and Pitsy, yeah. Yeah, those guys were both... Those were some characters for mm-hmm. sure, and that's that's one thing. Like everybody, there's like for the most part, there's like no throwaway characters. There's so much, mm-hmm. there's so much character to each each. There's so much to personality to each character mm-hmm. in the story. Yeah, I agree. It's pretty interesting, but yeah, Pitsy, he's the one that just wouldn't die. Mm-hmm. He was the Michael Myers of the crew. Yeah. Like, Are you kidding me? He's still coming. And Punisher even says that basically. He's like, oh, it was Are a brief, kidding me? reflex step. That then, had to be. And then another. It had to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there and that and specifically like his whole fight with Pitsy makes for some like really good I like good internal uh dialogue or monologue, uh, yeah. internal dialogue from the Punisher's character and you don't get a whole lot through it but towards the end you do and yeah that makes for some very cool cool lines like that whole moment where yeah the guy's face is gone and he's still stepping and the Punisher's like oh, I hope that's reflex <laughs> yeah <laughs> um the end from a story telling point of view was interesting especially when they got like when you get to the end where it's like so and so um died of a gunshot wound to the cranium mm-hmm. and that and it go through all these people and then it even hits it's micro 
like a couple pages before you even know his true fate. Mm-hmm. So it sets it up, and yeah, yeah. If you had any <laughs> doubt, well, it's gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's uh, like a lot of the violence I don't mind. Like I don't mind some gore. Mm-hmm. And I like some gory horror movies and stuff like that. Like it can be over the top and fun. But there's a lot of grotesqueness in this that occasionally really hit me wrong. Where I'm like, oh, and like it could be bothersome. It could be bothersome grotesqueness in this. And yeah, you're. I'm not sensitive. Shush. You're more sensitive than I am. Shush. Uh, that's all. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you're sensitive in general. I, I'm probably less sensitive than lots of people. But, you know, horror is my, one of my, basically my preferred genre. Well, horror and sci-fi. Well, so, the, stuff doesn't get to me as much as it does to a lot of people. Well, I think it's uh, the, I don't know, there's certain things. But there's, there's, there's definitely some, like, really could potentially bothersome violence in this book. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a yeah. book. It's supposed to be. Well, I know. <laughs> not I, for the faint of heart, this this series. No. No, no, definitely not. But yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was exactly the Punisher that I was hoping to get to read. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually did not know much of anything about the Punisher except, mm. you know, Smidge. And uh, I was very satisfied with it. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And the and it also like the writing like reinforced there's certain and I imagine this is about the same time period of um, the preacher stuff that I've read you've read I think you've read all the preacher yeah, stuff I've read all the preacher I stuff. haven't I've only got so far into it but there's a lot of like you can tell the Garth Ennis style mm-hmm. um, not even just in like the violence and stuff like that but the type of characters mm-hmm. like like Ink mm-hmm. specifically like just he's got like the eyes that the the, the they're not crossed but they're like you know what i'm saying the mm-hmm. like just the way he Kinda looks thinking. yeah the way he looks and just the kind of character he is would fit perfectly into what i've read of preacher mm-hmm. like there's just these he does really well with like outlandish wild especially bad characters mm-hmm. um but yeah there's a lot of there was a lot of uh, just dialogue and style decisions and stuff like that that I seen that I, I could recognize as being mirrored in in Preacher. Mm-hmm. So I found that interesting. So yeah, The Punisher Max. Yeah, I'm glad that one. I'm glad that one came up. That was that was good and um, violent, but also but but enjoyable and a uh, uh, quite the. Quite, quite the turn from the previous poll list pick. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. It's crazy to think that he was a Spider-Man character. Yeah, mm-hmm. Punisher—that's his first appearance—is in Spider-Man. Yeah, was He's he come a long way? Oh yeah, for sure. Knowing this Punisher, having this Punisher in my head, it's gonna be—I'm gonna have to search out um, other Marvel books because I know he'll pop up in Avengers stuff, and it's just hard to picture this character specifically having a lot of dealings with the Avengers and other characters. Yeah. I don't see how it would work. Well, they would, he's there. He's still a bad guy. Like in in their eyes, he's still a bad guy. Right. He doesn't get a whole lot of crossovers, but when he does, uh, it's, it's done both well and very poorly. Like they brought him into the civil war storyline and the way that they brought him in there 
was really cool because it was this moment of, um, you know, you've got the two sides. You've got the side for superhero registration and you've got the side for no, you know, freedom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Punisher, obviously, he's off the grid style. So he's firmly on the side of that group, which is headed by Captain America. So Captain America has to make kind of this moral call on, do we accept this? Is this the road we've gone down? Are we really in league with people like the Punisher? And so you know, as far as using him in the superhero world, that's probably one of the better ways I've ever seen it done. The Civil War stuff's another one that's um, on my list of shame. I have... I have- I have no shame because I don't even know what's supposed to be good. Um, yeah. But uh, I want to read it all. So. Well, there's an awful lot of Marvel stuff that I just haven't haven't read. Mm-hmm. But that you're. I'm kind of a more of a DC guy just I, because. I so I tried to I tried to trim down my 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 monthly buys. I placed oh. my I placed my order recently. And I would like to support more indie books because there's some really good ones. Like I buy Revival and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at where I could trim down, and uh, I, I want the Batman books. And there's there's several other DC books that I'm really enjoying. And I looked at my list, and like almost all but like three titles are DC books. And oh, I just, yeah, yeah. I just don't want to get rid of them. Yeah. And you sent me that message about um you 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 sent me that link about the creative the current creative team leaving um Moon Knight after issue six and I'm kind of bummed about oh, that yeah, yeah yeah I mean I might be interested to see what the next creative team does with it um but that might be a possibility for me to drop soon but that means I'm not buying any Marvel <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I thought you were still getting some X Men. No, I dropped those a little while ago. Oh, I didn't know that. I was, I just fell too far behind. Like you were still reading them. Yeah. And and they're good. I was really enjoying like all the Brian M- Michael Bendis X Men stuff, which is the books you were reading. Yeah. Um. But I fell so be- far behind, and I was like, well, if I got to trim something, I don't even know what's going on here, so I'll trim it there. You know. Yeah. That type of thing. But everything else. I'm- I've got an awful lot of uh, IDW. <laughs> And I'm the guy that doesn't like reboots, but <laughs> I got a lot of IDW stuff. I was buying, um, a couple years ago, I was buying a lot of IDW stuff too, but they, they, that's when they still, I mean, they had Doctor Who up till just recently, but that was a lot of Doctor Who stuff. But they haven't been doing a lot of original concepts. And I like some of the intellectual properties they have right now, but there's just not a lot of stuff that. <laughs> willing to spend my money on every month. Mm-hmm. So I just haven't, I'm sure it's good, but I just haven't been buying much IDW. Speaking of, uh, it'll be too late once this goes out, but the humble bundle, uh, today's the last day of the humble bundle. Oh yeah. 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 We have, I don't know if we'll be able to get in on that or not. It's a good deal. It's a great deal. Yeah, it's a great deal. Oh, and, uh, and they don't have the Star Trek stuff in there. I thought for sure we were right about that. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, me too. I was surprised um, that they, they didn't include that in there. But We have all that already, don't we? Yeah. But I suppose, you know, keep it strictly Doctor Who. Makes sense. Yeah, but that was pretty awesome. I know. It was a great deal. And, you know, it goes to the uh, 
oh, what's the comics legal defense? Oh yeah, fund or whatever. I can't remember the exact title. Mm-hmm. So that's not a bad thing at all. But I would assume a lot of people do get on in on it, so that's good. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of Doctor Who comics. All right. Well, I think that's the show. Oh hey. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> With a few minutes to spare. Awesome. Man. We're efficient. <laughs> We're efficient. Yeah. Um, editing this is going to be interesting. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good with reviews. I really wish I was better at spoken word reviews. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to just... Too. I wish I was more eloquent. Yeah, and I don't want to just, like, write everything down and then read read that, because we know how that goes, too. Yeah, well, maybe you should have me read it, because I, I'm fairly... Proofread it first, so you're like, no. No, uh, read it. Oh, if you're like, alright, here's what I thought, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I meant, um, oh, no, I was thinking of when you when you did the little, um... The Swamp Thing thing? Re- uh, yeah. Preview. Uh, I will probably do that again, and I'll, if you want to read it, I'll have you read it. Because despite my... I can actually read fairly well. Yeah, uh, ne- next month I'm thinking Swamp Studies again. Yes. And that'll cover book two. Um, offhand, I'm not sure which issues that is, but that's book two, um, the collected issues of uh, Sal- Saga of the Swamp Thing. Okay. The Alan Moore stuff. Are we doing the whole thing? Are we doing... Ooh, that means we're going we're gonna to cover... Alan, yeah, the whole book too. Okay. That means we're going to cover an Alan Moore run and a Grant Morrison run on the same podcast, and I don't think Alan Moore would like that at all. Oh. <laughs> have you heard? Have you ever heard anything about that? Uh, just yeah, just Al- some animosity. Yeah, Alan Moore seems to have a pretty big hate on for Grant Morrison to the point where he said. If you read any Grant Morrison, I don't even want you reading my stuff. That's insane. Yeah. Well, he is a little bit. <laughs> he, he's got, he seems like he's got some negativity, that guy. Yeah. Like, I've, I've seen some interview stuff. He's very well-spoken. Mm-hmm. I like listening to him talk, but yeah, he definitely has some animosity mm-hmm. towards a lot of people in the whole industry, which, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mind at all, and I'm not going to stop reading his stuff over anything he says because Elmore's great. He writes some great stuff. Oh yeah. But I don't mind that he has this animosity towards um, the industry itself. Like particularly like the big two and the, you know, yeah. that, that element I can understand he's been wronged. He knows a lot of people that have been wronged in different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll, he's, I've even heard him say that there's, there's a lot of good work still going on in the indie, uh, with the indie companies and the, the, the kind of the indie side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but stuff where he'll pick out specific people and be like, if you read that, I don't even want you reading my stuff. Eh, come on, dude. Yeah. That's a little much. That's using your fame for something you don't need to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when celebrities really get on a bandwagon with a political party or, or a person like I can't, like, uh, well, I'm thinking about it. There's certain things. Um, send us some emails, send us some messages, letters at grawlixpodcast.com and email us. If you want to talk to us, uh, have us 
ask us questions, have us read it out on the podcast. We'll certainly do that. Um, also, if you're on, oh, sorry, what's that? Oh, I was going to say, we've got a Facebook page and, and we need people to like us. Yeah, we do. We need some <laughs> likes, like us. Um, it's facebook.com slash Grawlix podcast. If you're on Twitter and our Twitter is hopping at times, it's a, uh, we're at Grawlix podcast on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Our website, of course, is GrawlixPodcast.com. We're on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Podcast. Keep an eye out. There's nothing there at this exact moment, but keep an eye out there. Um, some stuff should start showing up there very soon. Sweet. This is Melanie. You had me at Grawlix. <laughs> this is Randy. Show me the Grawlix. And I'm Jesse, and my little Grawlix friendship is Grawlix. Thank you for listening to Grawlix Podcast. The Grawlix Podcast is a production of Electronic Media Collective and Vocal Arrow Studios. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives, 4.0 International License. To hear more, visit GrawlixPodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast and like us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Podcast. I didn't catch it now. When I listen to it later, I'll probably be like, oh, okay, that's what she was saying. Ignore me. <laughs> no, I- just saying- Ignore me! <laughs> <laughs>